0: tonight, tonight it's different. Tonight I believe is wrapped around the idea of value And, and because here's the thing, Jesus looks upon you and he sees you as his most prized possession. The Bible even goes as far as to say this, that if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, sometimes I don't feel like the righteousness of God. I feel like Feel like something else, but 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 how God sees you, simple, He has value over you, and sometimes you got to speak God's words to believe His words over your life, you got to speak them again over yourself. I call this message super simple, man. I hope you get it. I really try to like break it down to the root of it all. I call this sermon Wells Basics Week Three. The title is Wells. Do you like, do you like who you're sitting next to? Do you like you sitting next to? Shout out my dog. Shout out my dog. You like you sitting next to? Hummy. You know what I'm saying? You ever done like the, the pinky like handshakes? Those are the best. Somebody say wells. Somebody say wells. Listen, first idea is this. I want you to say it out loud. I go ahead, throw it up. I am a well. Ready? One, two, three. I am a well. One more time, say. I am a well. I am a well. I am a well. Yo, we so ratchet over here. I love it. Anything's a hip-hop beat, you know what I'm saying? I am a well. Can I show you a picture of yourself? This is a selfie. Go ahead, guys. This is you and me. What's inside of a well? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's water in there. To get the water, I need a bucket. The bucket, so this is life size. (laughs) I just jumped into the picture. The bucket, if you're in the back, you get the best seat in the house right now. You guys are like, oh, this isn't real. You guys see it great. The bucket gets put on the string here, and then I take the, and I just, (laughs) it goes down. It gets filled with water, and what happens? I reel it back up. So I say, I am a well. Somebody say, I am a well. well. Definition of a water well. A water well is a structure created in the ground by digging, driving, and drilling to access water and underground aquifers. I am a well. Jesus, what did you see in the dust? Tonight's been so much on theology, the study of God what he expects from us, who he is, and who we are. You're dust. You're dust. God one day created the world, created the systems, the animals, the sky. He took dust. (sighs) There comes Adam. And from the rib of Adam comes Eve. Equal. Adam and Eve. Not one above. Not one under. Equal. But when you go down to the molecules, you find dust. Scientists, when they zoom in with the largest microscopes known to man, what you find is two cells. When you separate the cells, like you zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, do you know what you find? Energy. It's insane. Scientists are getting converted every day. Science does not disprove God, it proves the systems of God. I came here to teach. So when you zoom into your arm, for example, you'll see the cell, see the cell, see the cell, but in between cells, zoomed all the way in, it's just energy. Hashtag breath. You and I, friend, were wells. I love this, this album title Of Dirt and Grace. We are dust and dirt with grace. We're dirt with God's breath. Everything about us is completed by God. We're even made in his image. You know that? You're made in God's image. When he sees you, he sees himself. There's value to you. We're not surface level beings. God's created you with a depth that sometimes you don't even know. And the enemy wants you to think that you're a mistake, that you're like everyone else. But your thumbprint is unique. You're an individual. You're called to something great. There's purpose and a plan over your life. I came to encourage you. God has amazing things ahead of you. And it's a lie of the enemy that you're anything less than a deep being created by the grace of God. If you believe in that, can you give praise to God? Come on, anybody believe that? I'm a well. And in Proverbs, we see chapter 5, verses 15. It says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Drink water from your own cistern, your own bucket, flowing from your own well. Verse 16, should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? There's a Big jump between verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 is saying, Hey, you're a well. Verse 16 is saying, Would you take well water and just throw it on the streets? No, you wouldn't. Why? Can you put that picture back up? Because here's the thing like, it takes work to get this water. I got to put the bucket in. I got to latch it on. Here we go. Here we go. Get it in. My arm already hurt. I got two hands. Here we go. Get the bucket to then go into the street and just throw it on the ground. It took work for that water. And that's why some relationships don't last long. Because you gave your water up so dang quick. It was just that quick that they threw it on the floor. And what he's saying in verse 16 is, Would you scatter your springs on the road? You're a well. You're not rainwater. You're not a sewer. You're not a lake. You're a well. You're a well. My first idea today is this Your water isn't for the street. We're not creatures of the street, we're creatures of God. And what comes out of you, what what will you produce? You and everything you are isn't meant for the street. I came to talk to all the easy people in here. And sometimes, you know what? In my life, I had somebody call me easy. It was my leader at the time. And I told him what I was going through and what I was handling. He saw my my messages. He saw all the girls I was writing to at once. He looked at me with all the grace in the world and said, bro, you're easy. Anyone who wants your attention gets your attention. You see, growing up in high school, everyone's so quick to label girls as easy, but why no one ever labels guys as easy? But it took a man of God in my life to point that out to me. You're easy. I was like, ooh, that hit different. (laughs) Tonight, I got to write a lot of messages. And I remember just feeling stupid. But feeling stupid for the sake of Jesus is much better than being in front of Jesus and looking stupid in the end. Being denied by man is much better than being denied by God. And I came to encourage you. Listen, friend, your water isn't for the street. Not anybody can just get in your well and take what you got. The writer of Proverbs is like, would you throw spring water on the street? My next idea is this. I want to encourage you. You are a well and not a lemonade stand. You ever been in a lemonade stand? Fifteen cents. Got a bunch of cups. Come take a sip. And anyone with money could just show up and get a sip. And that is not who you are. That is not how God intended you to live. That is not it. That is not his idea. It's not that anybody comes in and guess what you got? You're not a lemonade stand. You're a well of living water filled by the very real presence of Jesus Christ. You're not a lemonade stand. You got to work for this water. Tell your neighbor, you got work for this. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Thank you, Beyonce. Uh oh, oh. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun. I love this definition. Next idea Wells are created in the ground by digging, driving, or drilling, digging driving or drilling it takes work to access water and underground aquifers listen there's stuff hidden inside of you that not everybody could just be a part of like not everyone should just have easy access to your heart to your mind to your soul protect yourself even some songs from christians there's sharks and then there's christian sharks (laughs) let's just be real so you can't be an open book to everybody. You're an open book to God. You're an open book to your hope group, your accountability partner, your leader. And that's probably as open as you can get. Because if you walk around with yourself exposed, people want to take advantage of you. Even those who confess Jesus to be Lord. Because people are weak. If I tell you, hey man, I struggle with Skittles, a guy who sells Skittles is going to be like, I know exactly who to sell Skittles to. And he slid into an area of my weakness where it was his strength. And, but if I had, like, people alongside me say, I struggle with Skittles. We're just going to keep writing this out. I struggle with Skittles. You fill in Skittles with the blank of your life. You know what? Accountability isn't you just telling me all the dumb stuff you're doing. It's me putting up boundaries so you don't make those dumb decisions again. Stay away from that corner. Stay away from that group of people. Stay away from that individual. Because I'm not only here to make you feel good. I'm here to help you grow good. Let's give you a couple of ideas. Listen, you have value. You have value. Pastor, I'm not a virgin though. You have value in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And listen, if you have your virginity in this room, which I want to let you know, hold on to it. I mean, you're a young adult, just wait till marriage. Let's figure it out in marriage. Can we do that? If you're a virgin in the room, just hold on to it because you're a well. And, and, and those who are not virgins, listen to me. You are not less than. You have value in the name of Jesus, and you can still wait like your husband is your first. You guys with me in this room tonight, you are not what people say you are. You are not what people label you. You are a daughter and a son of Jesus Christ. And you have value. Next idea, listen, you are sacred. You are a sacred individual. The Bible is so poetic. It says things like, you are the temple of the living God. You are a temple. So many people will shy away from sins. They know they should let go of if they saw themselves the way God saw them. I'm the temple of the living God. I can't just do that, mama. I'm the temple of the living God. I can't just be gone. I'm the temple of the living God. I'm the righteousness of God. And sometimes saying the words of God confirms the word of God over your life. I dare say all the time. My next idea is this. Listen, Sex is for your spouse. It's not for a guy that we're basically married. Until there's a ring, until there's commitment, in front of people, like confessing. And a man and woman would leave their mom, the Bible says. Mom and dad, we read first week of basics. I can't do this. I got to save sex for my spouse. Because if I don't, and this doesn't work out, I'm giving myself away to somebody else. I'm letting somebody into my well. Listen, if you don't believe in Jesus in here, This probably sounds a little harsh, but I just want to encourage you and those of you who do believe in Jesus that you can stop having sex. Yes, you can. You can let it go. And and a way you do it is you back up and you put Jesus in the middle. You back create some space and put Jesus. And the only way you get to me is through Jesus. Sometimes we grab people and try to drag them to Jesus. You ever missionary dated? How you doing, girl? You pretty. You go to church? We can start dating, whatever we talk, and I love you and all that, but now you got to get saved. You, you, you dragged, you're trying to drag them to Jesus, but I'm going to take my shoe off. But if you put Jesus here and you say, in order to get to me, you got to go through him. Why did my shoes come off so easily? Sex is for your spouse. We said week one that sex in marriage is offering sex without shame, but I wear protection. There's no condom big enough for your heart. I mean, hear the podcast. It's good stuff. And here's why I'm calling you a well, and the Bible's calling you a well is for this next idea. And you got to say this. My water isn't easy to receive. I have been dug. I have been drilled. And what I possess is deep it's deeper than flesh. What I possess is different. It's deeper than the feeling. What I have is a gift from God. And not anyone could just come and get this gift. I want to let you know real quick if you are waiting till marriage, you are an OG in the faith, you're faithful. Christian believer, I love you, if you've, if you've had sex before and you decided now that you're going to s- like be sacred and say, I'm waiting for the, the right one, I can't tell you how attractive that is from another guy looking for you, saying, you're the exact girl I've been praying for. A girl not just giving it out, a guy not just giving it out to anyone who pursues long enough, but you're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting. That's attractive. I honor that, and I'll wait alongside you. Next idea and listen, sacred is the new sexy. <laughs> sacred is the new sexy. Before, before it was, it was, it was. How, how many how many people are you with? No, 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 no. Who are you waiting for? What's the type of guy you're looking for? What's the type of girl you're waiting for? Who are you consecrating yourself for? That's attractive. Hello. Look at your neighbor and say, that was for me. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 5. somebody me of y'all did say this. Somebody looked at your neighbor and was like, that was for you. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 5 says this. A hey, house of grace, house of grace. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Verse 16, stay with me. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, not girlfriend, not fling, not friend with benefit. Rejoice in the wife. And if you're a lady in here, rejoice in the husband of your youth. And then the Bible spits game a little bit later. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Next time with your bootleg, baby girl, you're cuter than Bambi. (laughs) Rejoice in the wife of your youth. There's nothing better than looking at my wife saying, Baby girl, I love you. The way you look right now is is perfect, and we're going to grow up together, and I'm always going to remember the woman of my youth. If y'all don't know, I'm looking at my wife. I'm not looking at another person. (laughs) I knew this is that type of church. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) He's crazy. Next idea is this, listen, rejoice in your spouse, yet sometimes we rejoice in sipping on everyone else's well. See, when you understand your are well, you understand someone else's well, so you can't treat someone else the way you're not treating yourself. If I'm a well, you're a well. You're not a lemonade stand, even though you probably, you probably don't know your value. You probably don't know how God created you, and I will not take advantage on your ignorance but because I know who I am, and I have the spirit of God within me. I call the best out of you instead of stomping on the worst part of you. Sometimes, sometimes we rejoice in the wrong thing, sipping on other people's wells. Let me just encourage you with this next idea. Our flesh wants a sip, and our spirits yearn for a quench. Our flesh wants a sip, just a sip, just a sip, but one sip after another sip after another sip, After another sip, you just keep on sipping and you're never quenched. And it's person to person to person to person. And and you feel empty. You're sipping. Instead of finding the quench, which your spirit desires, you're taking the thirst given to you by God. Can I help you tonight? Your thirst is a gift. From God, I am preaching, and this is the spirit, because I didn't say this at the seven. Your thirst is a gift from God himself, because without thirst, would you yearn for him? Without thirst, would you have that desire to want more? You ever just wake up in the day and say, I want to do something crazy today? Some of y'all, that's you coming to church tonight i got to do something different. What is this within me to want more, to want more? It's the thirst. It's the gift that God has placed inside of you. And some people take that thirst and they put it to the wrong places. And they put it to the wrong things. And they're sipping, 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 sipping. And they're still thirsty. That's because your flesh wants a sip, but your spirit wants a quench. He says, you were created for thirst and your thirst was meant to be quenched. Let me encourage you listen, a relationship with God should be first place. And that says Jesus. And Jesus is God, so I'm right, anyways. A relationship with Jesus should be first place, not your spouse. If you want to be married, if you want to be good in your marriage, grow a life giving relationship with Jesus right now. Right now. Don't wait till you find the one to then say, We're going to now pray every day. Good luck. But what if you focus on Jesus now, and now your relationship is built on the foundation of Jesus? Jesus says, I am the rock. A storm comes, and the house built on sand flows away. A storm comes, and the house built on dirt falls away. But the house built on the rock through storms and hell and high waters will still stand. And how many relationships treat Jesus like a side order, like he's not the foundation, like he's not strong enough to hold the both of you with both of your weaknesses. Like he's not strong enough to lead you in every conversation and every day and every moment of your living life. Like he's not big enough for you. I can't carry all of my wife. I'm not strong enough. But I'm standing in Jesus, and in Jesus, I can hold you because he's holding me. That's like, okay, okay, so let's let's play this out, right? Let's play this out. Like hypothetical, right? Like let's just let's do it. He's fine, she's beautiful, you get in a relationship. Jesus is not the center, looks are the center. You want to do right before the Lord, right? So you're still trying to be a Christian while the whole foundation is lust. You get in a relationship. You start dating. You get married because you get convicted. Why are we having sex without being married? Listen, I love you. You love me. You're pretty. Let's just do the thing. Let's just do it. Let's get married. I want to stop sinning. I want to be right before the Lord. Let's go. Let's go. I'm not going to finish that song. Exchange rings. Boom. Honeymoon. Hey, we doing it. Woo-woo. Ten years go by. You have kids. Her body changes. She changes. She's not the same. He changes. He the abs. That six pack is now a one pack. You know what I'm saying? Like a six-pack of drink and not like a bag of hot dogs. <laughs> 30 years go by. Oh. There's a there's a there's another well offer me. Younger water. And the reason I got into this one is because the water was good. But the foundation was not Jesus. And so now there's a, a girl who doesn't get on my nerves like my wife does. She knows all the right things to say. She appreciates me. Or, 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 or there's another guy out there and he actually listens to me. When he's just playing the waiting game to get in your pants. And the very reason you got into a relationship became the very reason why you got out of one. Now let's play this narrative. Two individuals fall in love with Jesus Christ. And they wake up every day knowing the mercy that is over them. And their spouse messes up. And instead of saying, get out of my house, I'm done with you. Before you point the finger you remember a God that didn't point the finger at you. He gave you a second chance. Oh, we've been in church longer than five minutes. He gave you a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh chance. He'll always forgive you. And that's how you're able to say, baby, I love you and you messed up, but I forgive you because he forgives me. I can show mercy because I have mercy. I can forgive because I've been forgiven. How of a hypocrite am I to not forgive someone who's wronged me only a little when I've robbed God of everything? I am a sinner, Lord, and you still walking me home. I failed you, and you still love me. Even worse, you knew I'd fall and how I'd fall, and you still love me. Even though this caught me by surprise, I never caught you by surprise. We speak against divorce in this This room. room. We come against it. Mind, there are some scenarios where divorce happens. I know people in the church have gotten divorced. I know of that. And there's very real things that go on in the marriage. But my best advice is to fight for that thing like Jesus fought for you. And I know sometimes they hurt hard and... There's some abusive relationships that just need help. And my best advice is, man, fight for that thing with every last breath you got. Because Jesus went the whole way for you. It's getting real tonight. Y'all feel good? I I still want to smile. I want to encourage you. I want to read to you the book of John chapter 4. There's a moment that Jesus meets a woman at a well. I thought the story just works well with the title Wells. Because Jesus meets a woman at the well. I'm done. It says in verse 6 that Jesus, tired, Jesus was a man. He wasn't only 100% God. He was 100% man. And he came as a baby and he grew up and he had brothers and sisters. Imagine playing hide and seek with Jesus. Jesus sits again. It's his turn. Jesus counting one, two, James get out the closet. Dang it, Jesus! Jesus was a man. He was tired, and, and he, was, he was tired from a journey. He had been walking and doing things, and he sat down by the well. The writer of this is John. He says it was about noon. Somebody say noon. It's going to mean something a little bit. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Will you serve me, woman? Verse 8, his disciples had gone into the town To buy food. So John's putting in there the time. It was noon. And he's showing you something else. Who was there? Nobody. The disciples left. You see, listen, if you're a believer in here, you know Jesus had 12 people always with him. That was his small group. And he shows us. He's the example. He's the model. If you're a believer in here, you need like eight or nine people around you all the time. Just knowing where you're at, what's going on, protect you, pray for you, lift you up and pull you out the club. Hello. Pull you out the bar. Hello. Pull you out that relationship. Hello. It's for Somebody. So for a moment, the disciples stepped away. So Jesus is alone with this woman. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Understand, here's context. Samaritans and Jews don't mix, like Bloods and Crips, right? They just don't mix. All my gangsters in the room, you're welcome. A little bit of examples, you know, from your lifestyle. Shout out to Christian gangsters, right? Hello. Uh, (laughs) Welcome home. Jews and Samaritans don't click. So off the bat, she's like, why are you talking to me, bro? You know who I am. You know who you are. Verse 9, how can you ask me for a drink? And then John writes, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Thank you, John. Verse 10, Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is to ask for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Four things I noticed, and here's a list. Four things I noticed. This is how I read the Bible. I noticed the timing it was noon. It was noon. Women never got water at noon. They went in the morning. They went in the morning. Somebody say early. That's when women went to the well. This woman went at a later time probably because she was ashamed of the label that was over her. She didn't even want to be around people. You ever get so ashamed of something you've done or something you're in, you stay around people that would just call you out? And she goes to the well at a time that no one would go, but Jesus met her at that time. And I want to let you know, you might be dodging church, dodging conviction, dodging people, and Jesus meets you right where you are at. I noticed the timing. Another thing I noticed is the audience. The audience. You know who's the audience? The audience of no one. It's just Samaritan woman and Jesus. Jesus is about to correct her on something. But notice the correction came with no audience. This is a value we have at this church. We celebrate in public and correct in private. It's a value we have at our church. We celebrate in public. He's doing a great job. We correct in private. Come here, Papa. Come here. No, 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 come on, come on. I love you. I believe in you. But I notice this in your life. And you're bigger than this. You're called. He has a higher calling, a higher purpose over your life conviction is not to push you away from the church. It's to push you closer to Jesus because you're being tapped on the shoulder and being reminded that you're called for something greater. Another thing I noticed is a realization. She goes, why are you talking to me? You know who I am and I know who you are. The realization is, I am a sinner. All of you in here, guess what? One common denominator. Not only your blood, all of us bleed red. But we're all guilty of sin. And the Samaritan woman notices the difference between her and Jesus. I got to really say this. Like for you to really grow in God, you got to know who you are and where you're at. And those of us who have grown in God, you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. But for you to even start the growth to begin with, you got to understand, I'm a dirty, broken sinner in need of grace. I'm just dirt with breath in it. So I, I noticed the realization she has. But I also notice, lastly, the revelation. Jesus, go, Jesus goes, if you only knew who I was. You're over here looking for natural water. I got water. I got a spring of living water. And one, let's keep reading. Verse 11. Where can you get this water? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Listen, everyone who's dating like that, they're going to end up thirsty again. Everyone indulging in alcohol way too much. It's like you're indulging, indulging, trying to escape, trying to be numb. That is a well that would never end. And you grow thirsty again. These things you're going to, to to find peace, to find rest, you will end up more thirsty. It's going to cost you more money. It's going to cost you more time. It's going to cost you more relationships. And you'll find yourself in such a dark hole that you've created. God still pulls you out. But listen, knowledge is important. You grow thirsty in those things. Verse 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them, I give them, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And I have to keep coming here to draw water. She didn't get it. She thought he was talking about physical water. He told her, you know what, this is a moment for correction. No one's there. It's the perfect time. She knows who I am. She knows I'm holy. She knows where she's at. It's a perfect environment for God to pick her up. Verse 16, he told her, Shoday, go call your husband and come back. And she replies, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right, you're right. When you say you have no husband, because the fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not even your husband. What you have said is quite true. Verse 19, and, and Christians love to judge right there, right? Oh, look at her. Listen, no one was there. It was just her and Jesus. It's a personal moment. Pull away from that. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> like <laughs> Timing, audience, realization, revelation. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of town and made their way toward him. I read this and I go, because this is how I read the Bible. I go, He didn't tell you everything you ever did. I'm pretty sure you've done a lot more than that. Probably lied on the way. You probably stole something on the way. All he did was call you out on your husband thing, and you have five, and you just bounce from one to another, one to another, and the one you're sleeping with now is not even your man. He didn't tell you everything you ever did. That's not true. And I can imagine her looking looking back at me like, well, aren't you smart? But if he knows one thing about me, and he's God, he knows everything about me. If he, if he can call me out on one thing that's true, I know for a fact that he sees everything I am. Yet he still loves me and calls me out and offers me water that I will never go thirsty. I don't know if you ever seen cartoons like about the desert. People are just walking through the desert super thirsty. And I know where they see like a lake. And oh my god, a lake. And they run and they go over the hill. And it's more sand. And then they see a vending machine. You ever seen those cartoons like a Coke out here? What? They run. They get to a certain point, another hill, nothing. Listen, that's not just cartoon. Like mythology, like that's an actual diagnosis that when you're thirsty enough, you begin to see things that aren't there. That when you're thirsty enough, you actually begin to hallucinate. Your blood temperature gets a certain level. Your mind gets so off balance that you begin to see what you need and it's not even there. And I came here tonight to encourage you. Maybe, just maybe, you have been thirsty. Maybe, just maybe, you think you found the right one, and yet you're still thirsty. Listen, a person cannot complete you. Sex cannot complete you. A spouse will not fill the gap in your heart. The only thing that can quench your thirst is the very real water of Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always only Jesus. That's it. Yo, we do dumb things when we're thirsty. You ever done something stupid when you were hungry? Like, I'll eat anything. There's a little lizard right here, dog. Bible says in the Old Testament, a uh, guy gave up his whole birthright for a bowl of soup. Man, we we do dumb things when we're desperate. Man, I'd rather be desperate for Jesus than desperate for the wrong things that lead me down the wrong path. And here's one thing we promise as a, as a Community of faith, I'm done. Is this? We're going to be thirsty for Jesus together. So I got to get into a hope group because we're going to be all desperate for Jesus together and show you this is how we quench our thirst. We read the Bible. You guys remember the This Is What We Do sermon series? You remember that? We pray. We read the Bible. It's what we do. You're a well, not a lemonade standing. God's designed you that way. That no one can just go into your life and take what God's given you. I want to declare this over you one more time like we did last week. Listen, shame off of you in this place. Shame lifted off of you. When you you repent of your sins, God says he clears you white as snow. Gone in the name of Jesus. Amen, church.